2: Did Avril die? Was she
0: replaced by a doppelganger?
2: I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious
0: internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC Podcast. I hate to say it because it sounds like I've learned a lesson, and believe me, I haven't. The one thing that keeps on coming up on this show is people telling me they thought that fame and success and admiration would bring them the things that they were missing in their life, and they didn't. Daniel Caesar is here today. He's an incredible singer and songwriter from Ontario, massive hits all over the world. He's overcome so much to get where he is. But in our conversation, he'll tell you it didn't do what he had hoped. He's here to tell you his story Coming up. Plus, Sharon Horgan grew up on a turkey farm in Ireland and now makes some of the best love comedies in the world. She'll be here to tell you her story and why she wanted to make a TV show about a bunch of sisters trying to kill their brother-in-law. Sharon Horgan, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You are listening to Q. So, yeah, Daniel Caesar has had a, an interesting few years. Um, Daniel's from Oshawa, Ontario. He won a Grammy for this song.
2: Is this sunrise those brown eyes, yes, you're the one that I desire.
1: Daniel Caesar and her with the song Best Part, and a very romantic, sweet song, and that's sort of Daniel's thing. He writes these really romantic songs about love and longing. But these days, something else has been on his mind. He's been faced with some really big questions. What does it mean to be a good person? Where does true happiness And fulfillment come from? How do you go back to a childlike innocence of your early days when you're starting out? These are big questions, questions that philosophers and like theologians have spent, I don't know, millennia trying to figure out. And these are questions that Daniel Caesar is exploring on his new album. It's called Never Enough. It's out everywhere now. Daniel Caesar joined me in studio in Toronto to talk about it all. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Just good to be here. This is blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah, because I I think I talked to you, and I want to say like my fourth month hosting this show. It was fresh, yeah. And you were new too. Yeah, like I think it was one of your first interviews.
3: Yeah, definitely my first like made like of this caliber. You know what I mean? Like my first, yeah. It's it's a low-caliber. Don't (laughs) do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was my first one that I really didn't have to try very hard you know. (laughs) But it's amazing to see sort of what's become of you, and it's amazing to hear on this record um, maybe you reflecting on what's become of you. Yeah. The bio, which I know you don't write yourself says Daniel Caesar is on a journey, a path of self-actualization.
3: Oh, I definitely said that, yeah. What does that mean? I was saying to someone, I love making albums because uh, I find out, I always think I know what I want to say, and then by the end of the album I find out what I actually wanted to say, so it's kind of like a, a game I'm playing with myself where I realize I I realize more and more that I have no idea what I want or what I'm doing. I kind of show myself what I want. It's through my own actions that I surprise myself and I find out who I am.
1: What did, what did you find out on listening back to this record then?
3: I I'll, I'll tell you what I heard, but you tell me first. A lot of good and a lot of bad, but def like uh that I'm growing up. That I kind of resent that. So many things, but also oh um Never enough, like I realized I have a, like a hole that I just, I'm going to keep filling with stuff until, until I die, you know? What is the, what is the hole? You have a hole
1: in your. You know, like a, like a figurative hole. Yeah. I'm never just, I'm just never satisfied. You know what I mean? As things have, because what I, it makes sense. Because what I was hearing was someone who has, when I first met you, you were saying to me things like, yeah, I think this might work out, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll get nominated for a Juno or, like, I don't know, maybe we'll get to go on tour. That would be pretty cool, you know? We just did a sold-out show. That was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like every time I catch up with you, you're kind of like, yeah, it's getting a little bit. But, like, then it blew up. Yeah. And what I'm hearing on the record is someone kind of going, is this what I really wanted? mm and, um, yeah, that's what I heard. Is this what I really wanted? And why, why do I need to do this? Is that the whole you're talking about?
3: Yeah, it, but it's this tricky thing because it's like, it is what I wanted. It's just not what I thought it would be. You know what it is? It's like it's not Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? You get to the end, you look behind the curtain, it's just some guy moving levers.
2: I guess I got what I prayed. Slave or work myself to death. So you know oh, what I mean?
1: Well, I understand. You had this idea of like um, fame and success, and, and success. Yeah. In music is what I'm hungry for and what I want. Yeah. And then you, you are one of the rare people because you're so talented mm. to actually get it. Yeah. And then you get it, and you're like, this, is, this was it, and this isn't what I thought it was going to be what did you think it was going to be and what did it turn out to be it's not it wasn't really a surprise i was just
3: waiting on a feeling that turned out to be fleeting you know what i mean yeah man i was waiting on a feeling it was just kind of like all right so many people thought i couldn't i couldn't do it they doubted me and then you prove them wrong and then it's it's like all that um resentment I had that I used as fuel to propel me to accomplish this thing. Now it's like I have no use for it anymore. Like I got to shift my, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would say like like anger or, or hatred or whatever. Like they're they are truly sources of fuel. But um, you have to be careful not to blow yourself up. It's very flammable. It's very like you know what I mean. It's very unstable.
1: You were using uh, anger and resentment and people not believing in you as a motivator to, like, make your dreams come true. I'm going to show them. Mm-hmm. And then your dreams came true. And you were like, God, I, I was using that stuff for this?
3: Yeah. And I'm, it's it's like – and it makes perfect sense. But it's kind of like, what do I do with it now? Like, an example is – um. I had this boss, I used to, I'm like a professional dishwasher. If I wasn't a musician, I'd be a dishwasher. And um, I had this boss, she's kind of miserable, you know, always yelling at me, like coming up the last job I had down on King Street. And um, and then one day, you know, I think this might have been even post-Juno or something like that, and uh, me and my guys, we go to that restaurant It's the first time i've gone since i quit and i think i just had this idea in my head like it's just gonna be that like that moment where they're like oh i'm so sorry you were so right and blah just you know what i mean just like this ridiculous idea in my head of um retribution or something yeah and then i get there and i see her and i say hi and she says hi and then i'm instantly like bro what am i doing like this isn't i'm really not that person you know what i mean you, I, I, you're hit with like this wall of, wave of empathy where you're like, they're being. First of all, yeah. I'm a bad worker. I was not a good employee. <laughs> I was writing songs. I would not. I wouldn't employ me if you know what I mean. So it's like, you're, you're, you're instantly kind of like, oh, I, I'm
1: being unreasonable here. It sounds to me like you're learning like two beautiful lessons that people try to learn in life that I'm working on all the time, which is that desiring is always better than the getting. Yeah. The getting is never good as the desiring. Yeah. So if you can get rid of the desiring, things are pretty good. Yeah. And it is better to be compassionate and loving to people than to not be that way for yeah. both them and for you. It is selfishly good to be compassionate and loving to people. Sounds like those two things are happening.
3: Yeah. And but it's it, I I think it's important that it's you don't get to reap the benefit of being compassionate if you're acting compassionate. I always used to think that if I yeah. act like a good person, yeah. then I'm a good person because of you judge man by his actions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if if you hold the door open for the for the old lady coming through, yeah, then that's the type of guy that you are. Yeah. But if if you do it and your intention is not right, then you don't get to reap the benefit. Like you yeah. You appear to be, which is part of, like, optics, and, you know, like, that's just cool. You actually have to love them. But you actually, if you don't, yeah, if you don't actually have the love in your heart, then you're not doing anyone any favors. So it's, it's, it's this tricky thing. But then you can't, like, I just manufacture love. That's another thing. I keep hearing people talk about, like, I hear people talk about, like, self-love and stuff like that, as if it's, like, some sort of switch. So it's just, like, bro, like, just, what are you doing? Just love yourself. Or just, lo- like, just... Love your neighbor, you know, all this. And it's kind of just like, I'm trying to figure out how you arrive at that place, because I just, yeah.
2: Baby, baby, there will always be space for you and me.
1: Right where you left it I'm Tom Power. You are listening to Q. Daniel Caesar is my guest today. His new album is called Never Enough. And if you've been listening to our conversation this far, you might have picked up on the fact that Daniel is um, at a pretty interesting place in his career. He's had all this success, sold millions of records, like, you know, millions of streams. All these things he's always wanted and worked for for so many years. But now, I mean, surprise, surprise, he's realizing that maybe that's not where true happiness comes from that's where our conversation picks up
2: here, we both know how i don't want things to change i pray they stay the same always
1: it's not it's not something you can just turn on and turn off that love has to be developed through thinking and considering and and figuring out where that love is going to come from like it's for some people it comes from a really spiritual place you know mm. like I know for you you grew up in the church right yeah like your dad was a uh, was involved right your yeah dad? he's
3: like a like a I'm not pretty sure, but like a elder
1: an elder elder oh, sorry an elder, elder yeah. that's all right That's all right. your first time with a microphone <laughs> uh your dad was, inv- was was involved in the church mm-hmm. a lot of people can find access to that love you know through that. So I'm sure when you were growing up, ah, I'm sure when you were growing up, you were like, oh, actions, you know, Christian actions are the things that are important. Yeah. But you know, they actually have to be motivated by by love for other it's, people. They it has to wanna, yeah, yeah. It to wanna to do it. And it was pretty intense for you, right? Because like my understanding of you from thinking way back then was that you weren't really allowed to play secular music.
3: Yeah, basically. Is that right? Well, it's yeah, like It was um, a point of contention. Like there were parameters that you could play with as far as ideas and music, and like any sort of curse word or what the hell or something like that's not okay. There were just rules.
1: And when you started writing songs, what were you writing them about? Girls. What was the first one? Do you know? First one was a song called
3: um, "Shy That Way." I was just I had a crush on this girl and I was shy too, shy to tell her. So I just made a song.
1: How'd it go? (laughs)
2: Um, when I see you, my heart beats fast. I wanna run, but I want this moment to last.
3: And I see, um, then it's just gonna scooch on over so that I can be close to you. And one thing that I'm willing to say is that whenever you're gone away, I miss you. Now I wanna kiss you, but I can't. Cause I'm shy that way. Oh, come on! Doo, doo, That's doo, beautiful. Doo, 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 did you end up recording that? Did you do that? I did it, and now I'm listening. I'm like, that might that might be a hit. <laughs> I <like to> <laughs> I'm in now. the room. Yeah. I'm in the room. All yeah. right, you know. Yeah. I just, I'm just
1: saying. You know, Let's go. you know, Caesar power would be great. <laughs> but um, what's what strikes me about that? Going back to our conversation about love from a very early time, even though you were sort of raised around the church and 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 you were new to writing, you're you're writing
2: about love. You're my water and I'm stuck in the desert. You're the talent all I take when my head hurts. You're the sunshine
1: of my life. You're, you're writing about romance. You're writing about romantic love. What are you making that?
3: I'm like obsessed with it. Yeah? I'm obsessed with it and kind of like, yeah, very, It's I think it kind of goes to what we are talking about before. Like I do, I've also realized throughout this process of the album like idealization or desire like I will see a woman and see the way she moves and moves to a room and how beautiful she is and now like I just make her this uh, on a pedestal you know what I mean just like I don't know how to stop doing that because I know that once once I have her then it's like oh she's a person like anybody else it's not it's really unfair to idealize any human being and make them out to be some sort of god because they're not and once you meet them it's a disappointment it's like i feel pressure meeting like people like that are fans of me you know what i mean because i'm like oh man you you're not gonna really enjoy this like i'm i'm boring you know what i mean i'm like or it's annoying like w- worse um and that but that's just that's just the thing that we that we do and so people also become not enough yeah never enough
1: yeah we can put all of our hopes and dreams in. And everything we are, we are missing in our lives into others, and we hope that they. But we re, we fail to realize that they are full, true people with their own hopes and dreams, yeah, and their own actualization. And f- true love is accepting that and bringing that into your life.
3: Yes, it's yeah. exactly like true love is loving a person, not your idea of that person. Exactly. If you can't do that, you, yeah, you don't value human beings as much. You value it's like, and then you, it's like this
1: weird narcissistic yeah. like. Yeah, but there's a lot of that in your industry. Yeah. There's a oh, lot of that in your industry. That's the name of the game, yeah. Right? There's yeah. a lot of me above all. There's a lot of people in, in, that in, in that industry in relationships that serve them, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of that going on, right? Yeah. And then, like, because I, I wanted to talk about um, this in the context of Please Don't Lean, and what I heard was you maybe setting some limit limits for yourself, being like, there are a lot of responsibilities that come with a rapid rise to success and a lot of money invested in me and a lot of people who have jobs based on me. Yeah. And you may be putting up a couple of boundaries and a couple of limits. Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah.
2: It'd break my heart, but I'd understand if you'd Feed me for another man with a little Less on his mind, less on his plate Less in his brain
3: Yeah, just just being like mature enough to yeah, tell someone that I want to be enough for you but like I know that I I can't be.
1: Throughout the whole record I feel like I'm hearing you go like this is this is a lot and I need to figure out how I'm going to maneuver in it. Like well like take like Toronto yeah. 2014, right? It's a song on the record. It's a beautiful song. And it feels like to me, like, like, let's let's continue your story. You are in the, you're you're involved in the church. You start writing songs. The songs start doing really well. Your folks, I'm guessing, are not delighted that you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you leave home, right? Yeah, you you left home. You were working as a dishwasher. You were you slept on a park bench for a little while. That's a big, part uh, of yeah, yeah, a little, maybe yeah. a couple of nights. Yeah, that was that was a part of the story. We don't have to get into it. Yeah. Then everything kind of explodes but when I listen to 2014 I'm hearing you reflect on who you were in 2014 and maybe like try to get back to that
3: yeah
2: take me back to 2014 so I picked this morning far along the journey the future was alluring on the other side of TVs hoping that they see me. Yeah,
3: because it was, like, simpler times. My favorite—one of my favorite quotes from Andy Bernard on The Office, he was like, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days while you were still in them, you know? And um, I miss—yeah, Around 2014 is just kind of, like, lamenting those days, like, those broken— in love and you're just focused on like the next steps you weren't so and have such a bird's eye view of everything and like worrying about how you're perceived and your legacy and all this stuff that like it doesn't it matters but it doesn't matter you know but
1: what do you what do you miss about that
3: I was more focused on like enjoying myself I was more focused on what this was actually all about which was just making great songs that like I would respect if I heard someone else make them, you know what I mean, and like I just miss my innocence, not knowing certain things or coming to understand certain things about myself, about the public, about this whole this whole industry, like you know what I mean, being an adult i don't i don't I don't like
2: it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the time flies? Like a G five jet in the turbulence. what we gonna make a home tonight. All right, alright, alright, alright.
1: What's hard about the phase you're in right now? Cause on the outside it looks amazing.
2: And it
3: is, and that's the other thing. I don't want to no, no no no, this yeah. is not
1: this is not the don't be this is not the be grateful conversation. Yeah,
2: no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
1: we have to hold two things in one hand. We have to hold in one hand that you are remarkably successful and that comes with a certain amount of comfort and yeah. like, you know, financial comfort, like you're all right, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then oh, there's another hand.
3: Yeah, and on yeah, the other hand is just um it's a job. Yeah. One day, one day I woke up and yeah. I realized that making music was my job and I remember thinking to myself when I was younger, like, yo, wouldn't it be crazy to wake up and all I have to do is pick up my guitar and write a song? Like, I do that for free. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I make money off of things that I I would do for free, things I would go broke trying to do. You know what I mean? And now it's my job, and jobs are... It's hard to be good at your job if you're living through your emotion. You know what I mean. And my whole like, write, write songs based off emotion. You know what I mean. There are just times where I just like, I just get depressed now. I just want to be in bed for a week straight. You know what I yeah. mean. I can't do it. There are too many people that rely on me. There's like, even this morning, like I wanted to. I had just gotten back to New York. I've been traveling around for for a while. I just got back, and then my assistant knocks on my door at 6 a.m. He's like, yo, it's time to get up. we got to go to Toronto. Yeah, and I'm to like, to talk,
1: talk to Tom Power. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And I was just like,
3: oh, yeah, I agreed to do that last week. Like, sorry, I just buddy. want to curl up in my bed right sorry. now. And it's so, but think about it. It's so childish. Like, yeah. grow up. Like,
1: it's you just get on the plane. It's, it's not that big a deal. But it's it's the reality of the life that you desired. That's yeah. what we we're talking about. It's the label. Answer me this Does writing about this stuff help you figure this stuff out that you're struggling with, that you're working on?
3: I think it does. I, it's like what comes to my mind to write. You know what I mean? It's like I definitely need to get through this, get this out of my system, because I'd love to make a love song album again. You know what I mean? But that's not where my head has been at. I'm like figuring out how to, like, loving myself.
1: Are your, folks yeah. proud, are your folks proud of you?
3: They are. We're actually really great.
1: They got past the...
3: Yeah, we're great, and we've we've come to an understanding. We've, like, learned a lot from each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm actually eternally grateful for that, you know what I mean? It's, it's um... Yeah, I feel like I'm growing up. And that's one of the good parts of growing up.
2: I'm trying to breathe Why won't you let me I'm trying to leave Please just forget me and on sleep, Our sun is setting and hardly believe This got so messy
1: Daniel Caesar and Let Me Go from his brand new album, Never Enough. Uh, you're going to hear more of my conversation with Daniel Caesar in just a minute. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the massive success he had with the, his song with Justin Bieber, Peaches, and the phone call that started it all. That's coming up after this on cue. I'm
2: not afraid of manipulation.
3: Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.
2: I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh yeah. I get my weed from California. That's that. I took my chick up to the north, yeah. Better. I get my light right from the source, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's
1: it. I'm Tom Power. You are listening to Q. If you're just tuning in, we're in the middle of my conversation with the Canadian musician Daniel Caesar. We've been talking about how his life has changed since he became a successful musician, how he expected fame and success and admiration to sort of fill the things That he was missing in his life. I mean, surprise, surprise, they haven't. And we're reflecting on that. But I was curious about the song you're listening to right now. This is uh, Peaches by Daniel Caesar. Little known Canadian musician on this one as well. Uh, Justin Bieber, it says here. I think he has a big career ahead of him. I I got big hopes for him. That song didn't just become a big hit on the charts. It was also regarded critically as one of the best R and B pop songs composed over the past few years. And it brought serious musical attention to Justin and to Daniel. So I was curious about how that opportunity came up. And that's where our conversation picks up. It was wild to know you for a while now. And like again, like I, I got to know you when you were a kid. And I was a kid too. It was like six years ago. Yeah. So I was twenty 9 or 28 and you were like 21, 22. Yeah, I would say about 21, right? Yeah. And then when you had the big hit, Daniel, with Peaches.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was yeah, I was thinking about yeah. It's really
1: massive.
2: I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh yeah. I get my weed from California. That's that. I took my chick up to the north, yeah.
1: That was the biggest song in the entire world for a really long time. Yeah. It was your song with Justin Bieber. Can you tell me how that song came together? How did that how did you end up on that? What? I've always
3: I had like um sang at his wedding, his wife Haley actually like kinda A and would that record. Um he uh came up with the piano line and then she was like, Yo, you gotta send like Daniel would be great for this, you gotta send it over to him. And then her friend, her best friend, Justine was dating Givion at the time, so then they sent it over to him as well. And we were all just in different places. I was in um, France working on this record, and but yeah, I just I just cut it. I got to have my my little brother help me out with it. It was great. Aaron, Aaron,
1: yeah, yeah. I see that on the credit. How, how did he end up? He's a co-writer on it.
3: Yeah, his co-writer. Um, we were all we we basically just did a writing camp. We went to the south of France and did like a writing camp for about two weeks. And that was just one of the songs on the on the docket to work on. I was just freestyling melodies and then they would just throw out lines to, you know, to to make the song work.
2: I left my girl, I'm in my Hate to leave a college.
1: When did you realize that song was exploding? We kind of just
3: knew it would from
1: before. I was like, yes? it's a great,
3: it's a really cool song. It's Justin. You know what I mean? It's a it's perfect recipe. I didn't doubt for a second that it wouldn't be a big song.
1: It's a, it was not a big song, it was a massive, massive, massive yeah. song. What does it mean for you to share that Peach's like, songwriting success with your brother? It's really special.
3: Um... I just feel like a good big brother being able to like, you know what I mean? Like shared that experience with him and he's so amazing. Like he deserves the world. He's just so gentle and shy, you know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like I can take the hit for him. He can follow behind. He's just going to, he's going to do amazing things. And I'm just, yeah, it's just really special to be able to like be the one to kind of lead him in there, sneak him in there.
1: There was, there was a line on the record I wanted to ask you about before we go and, and I know you got to go soon because you have more of this to do but I, I wanted to ask you about a line on the on the record it's from the um, pain is inevitable song yeah good song thank you now I'm a product that must
2: turn a profit turn a profit something
3: Down especially that was one of those ones that just kind of flowed. You know what I mean? Felt like a little bit of a antenna just receiving it. There's a lot of ego involved in what I do. Gratification of self, gratification of the ego. I'm very competitive. So like, there's still things that I have to. I feel in myself that I need to prove. I I miss my innocence. I miss. I miss not knowing what I know about life. You know what I mean? And I wish there was a time you would just wake up and you'd be like, man, I'm just going to write beautiful songs and change the world and you know all, all of this yeah. and all that. And, um, and not to say that I don't, I still believe that, I still think that all the time, but there's like, I just know what it takes and I'm aware of the sacrifices necessary. And I'm aware of the ways that I'm gonna change for better or for worse. You know what I mean? It's like I don't there are people that I should call more that I don't call because I'm or sometimes when I when I when I go back home and there's some drama going on at work and I just I know that I just need to be present and put my phone down, but I can't yeah. I go back to Oshawa, it's just it's too slow. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you go on tour and every day you wake up in a new city and then you come back home and you're supposed to just like go to the grocery store and pick out tomatoes after just having woken up in a new city every day you can't just slow life down again and just be appreciate the simple things in the same way
2: Look what they did to me I used to be so sweet sweet so, sweet so, 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 so. smiling all the time Child.
1: Have you figured out a way to bring some of that childishness, that innocence, that beginner'sness to your life now?
3: Um, yeah, you know what? Honestly, when I, because I, it probably sounds, I was in a bad place, I guess, for a, a good part of this album, but you when. Were? It's for for a little bit of it. But also in a great place. Yeah. Enti- it's, I'm just so you were emotional and, a little bit. You were all over right. the place. Yeah. But I'm in the like the I'm actually so happy right now. I've been in a really good place. Um just because of taking care, better care of myself. You actually I didn't realize like how big of a deal that is. But just like eating Eating nonsense and just getting drunk all the time, and yeah.
1: you know. So what are you doing? What are you doing differently now?
3: I just started working out, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Things are just brighter. You know what I mean? And you're less like end of the world esque. But when you're when I was recording the album, and when you're working bad hours, and I don't have a you don't have a schedule or whatever, then that's when you fall into all of the the drinking and the drugs and the the the, the sleeping bad hours, and then you look at the world like they took away my innocence. Uh, I'm gonna get you, but. And I take care of myself. I feel, yeah, I feel playful. I feel fun all the time. And this job, like, it's this weird, I feel like I talk and I contradict myself constantly. Because, like, it's also in in this industry, generally people don't grow up. They're also kind of, like, frozen in time as, like, the last time that they were in the real world being responsible. It's kind of just like a Peter Pan sort of industry you know what I mean so there, I definitely suffer from that as well you know what I mean I've in relationships I see myself in relationships and I'm like oh are you, I'm like 18 still you know what I mean so I'm still childish but also not at all
1: yeah and the, the childishness is a good thing that beginnersness that I want to get up and write songs yeah. and I want to write songs that are beautiful and I don't want to think about the job part of this that's a beautiful thing to maintain you know, that's the beginner's mind. They call that. That's the thing you yeah. want to keep. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're 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 coming around to bringing it back into your life.
3: I think so. Things move in cycles or
1: phases. That's a great record. It's my favorite record of yours. That. Thank you, man. I, I, honestly, I'm so yeah. I always love talking to you. Me too. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, man. i mm-hmm. Daniel Caesar and a song called Do You Like Me. Before that, you heard, I mean, I hesitate to call it an interview, just kind of a chat with Daniel Caesar about everything he's, he's going through. He's such a brilliant mind, and I, I look forward to whenever I get a chance to, like, catch up with him because he's one of the only guests that we have sort of talked through the whole journey, like talked to him when he was just starting out, and now we're talking to him when he's this massive thing. It's a really interesting, I think, a, a bit of a trip for the both of us. Uh, Daniel Caesar's new album is called Never Enough appropriately. And it's out everywhere now. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. There are a lot of moments in your life that can be hard to laugh at, especially when you're in them. A death, a loss, a divorce, someone breaking into your house, stealing all your shoes. But Sharon Horgan has always had a knack for making a dark moment funny. Sharon grew up on a turkey farm in County Meath in Ireland, went on to make some incredible comedies. She made A Catastrophe with Rob Delaney, Divorce with Sarah Jessica Parker, and her thing kind of became proving that rock bottom is funny, that you can survive pain and disappointment and stuff you never saw coming and laugh at it. Sharon Horgan's latest show is on Apple TV+. Plus. It's excellent. It's called Bad Sisters. I don't know if you've seen it. It just uh, was nominated for five BAFTAs, pretty much the most prestigious film and TV award in the UK. It just got renewed for a second season. I got to catch up with her during the first season of Bad Sisters, and we talked about all kinds of things. Here's my conversation with Sharon Horgan. Hi, how are you?
0: Hi, thanks for the intro.
1: Oh, that's all right. We're we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm right, right? Turkey Farm. I'm not wrong about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. How's that? You're right. Well, I, I love how fascinated people are by it. I think maybe it's just because maybe showbiz is quite, a, uh, you know, it's quite a journey from turkey farming. But my, you know, my brother ended up, Becoming an international rugby player. My my other brother is, you know, makes sports shows. My 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 sister is an actor. My other sister makes documentaries. It's I don't really know what happened. I figured because it's a large family, we all just tried to outdo each other. So uh, and just wanted to get as far away from turkeys as possible. Maybe
1: were you working? Like were you were you doing chores and all
0: that? Oh. Come here. Absolutely. We were taken out of school every Christmas to plug turkeys. You know, it's definitely infected me with with some kind of drive because, you know, my parents made all the money for the year, pretty much in that, in that one period. So it was beyond stressful. And if anything went wrong, which it often did, you know, your year was screwed. So we all have this intense sort of anxiety in us, just constantly bubbling under, waiting to explode. And that's really good for comedy. Oh,
1: yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. for life, really. Uh I tell you two things. One is that I'm always interested in, in anything. Uh, so I'm from Newfoundland in Canada, like on the East Coast of Canada. And, uh-huh. and whenever there's like an expression that we say in Newfoundland that someone in Ireland says, I always get very excited. And we would often say, oh. uh, come here to me, like come here, come here, like in our conversation. And you just First did it just yeah, then. And yeah. that just made me so happy that you did that just then.
0: (laughs) It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's just like, listen, listen. Yeah, come here. Yeah, we tried tried to get as many into bad sisters as possible. We were trying to do this thing where we're keeping our apple overlords happy. And they were like, is anyone anyone really going to understand some of these thicker Irish accents like Brian Gleeson's and, you know, um, maybe maybe, um, Sarah Green's. And so we were constantly aware of that. But at the same time, wanting to keep silly things like your ride and you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think we can say that on the cbc too because i don't think i think
0: you're i think you're allowed to say that i know
1: we used i remember one time on my old show i said um oh shag that and mom called me and she was like, you can't say that on the radio. And I said, and I said, no, you can because no one in Canada knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, exactly. not a, it's not a curse, yeah. word. It's not a curse word to them. So uh, funny. Let me um, let me play you something. So this is uh, on, on Bad Sisters. You're an actor, writer and producer. I, I want to play a clip of it.
0: We can't just kill our brother-in-law. Do, do I wish he was dead? Yeah. But that is not how, you know, that's not how life society works. Okay, you can't just explode a man.
1: The brother-in-law that these sisters are trying to kill <laughs> is awful. So this, uh, I, 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 we'll set up a little bit more about it later. But the, the, these sisters are trying to kill the, the brother-in-law who's awful to their sister. But he's awful in a really interesting way. Like he's not cartoonishly awful. He's awful in a way that I have also experienced people just like awful in a way that you're at Christmas dinner and someone says something and everyone just looks down. Yeah. <laughs> T- talk to me about, have you, have you met someone like JP before and talk to me about how you wanted to create his awfulness?
0: Well, we were really lucky in that we had this, it's adapted from a yeah. Belgian series called Clown. So we had some really great source material, but yeah, there's a lot of awful men I've met over the years in there. and And also I just think like, you know, I wanted him to have layers. I wanted you to sort of occasionally see moments of vulnerability, you know, when he feels like he's, he's on the outside of this family and he's never going to get in. But also just to show... A real brutal monster, really, who is just systematically taking this woman apart by removing all her self-confidence, isolating her from her family, you know, financially withholding from her, sexually withholding from her. So it it wasn't as simple as this guy beats his wife up or, you know, it needed needed to be something that you couldn't really see. Like if you were the next door neighbour, you might not even spot it. So it was... It was fun and it was a real worry at the same time because I guess I felt a real responsibility to depict that kind of relationship in, in a way that was truthful and believable and you know, just shone a light on that on that kind of domestic ab- abuse situation. Whilst at the same time keeping keeping it entertaining. It was it was a Bit of a balance, you know, I,
1: I hear what you're saying. The, the, the it's a balance to have all those things and, and a murder plot and still try to make an entertaining, funny show.
0: Oh, god! And it, it got harder as it went on. Not that I'm just going to use our time together <sighs> moaning, but it did get harder too as it went on because it he he increases in his um awfulness as the show progresses. Because you you know, he starts off just awful, like you said, someone at dinner where you're just like, Jesus Christ, um, looking away, but then. The, the audience has to be so on board throughout for all the murder attempts. There were, there were times when I would be getting these notes back from Apple going, I'm just not sure if this is the right place. I'm not sure they would make a joke at this point. And, and I was like, you just trust me, because if it's done in a way that feels truthful and believable and something these normal women in an extraordinary situation would say at that time, then it'll work. And and you know it's needed. I think in something like that, you need moments of relief. I think,
1: but I, and, and it did work. We were looking at comments um, on the show on Reddit and stuff like that. Right? Here's a couple of them. It's cathartic to know that in this story, the charming sociopath doesn't succeed, and we need more media of women naming and standing up to emotional abuse. What do you, what do you make of those now?
0: I'm always amazed at. The impact any kind of you know hard hitting subject matter can have through a comedy like Rob and I used to get it with catastrophe you know you can deal with um, subject matter that you wouldn't expect in in a comedy and it just seems it's like it's, it's like people seem to to hear it a little bit more or they're more open to it or. Do you know what I mean? It like sort of hits you harder when it's surrounded by lighter moments, I think.
1: Their their guard is down, is what you're saying. They're yeah. not they're not going in yeah. stealing themselves to feel bad for an hour. Exactly. Their guard is down they've a little
0: just, bit. They've just gotten to know these people and they, they 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 sort of feel what they're feeling more and and um yeah, it's sort of uh it never ceases to to amaze me how much you can connect with people through a TV comedy.
1: I mean, and not just a TV comedy, but specific lines in in your comedy have been shared all over the internet now one of the sisters for a line that's gone particularly viral becca says i'm not a wreck i'm angry that doesn't make me drunk or crazy or hysterical that just makes me angry why do you think that's been connecting so much
0: Because I think it's just leveled at at women, this idea of, you know, if you're upset about something, you're hysterical. You're like, get angry as a man and just be a strong, you know, character. Whereas when it's a woman, it's sort of seen in in a completely different way. And um, it's also probably because she performed it so well. You know, she's got all this anger inside of her and she's like squaring up to a man who's almost double her size, who's just assaulted her sister's. She doesn't need a drink. She's a wreck. No, I'm not a wreck. I'm angry. And that doesn't make me mad or drunk or hysterical. That just makes me angry. I, I,
1: I think I understand what you're saying. When when a man is angry on screen, there's a perceived strength to it. Oh, he knows what he wants. There's a strength there. When a woman gets very, <laughs> yeah, very angry on screen, there's an Im- there's an implication in the audience of what's wrong with her.
0: Yeah, and yeah. in life. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Sharon, you just mentioned... Catastrophe there, um, you know, many people listening across North America will know about Catastrophe. It's a show you made with Rob Delaney about a couple that gets together after a, a one-week stand. And in it, you got to work with the legendary Carrie Fisher, who played your mother on that show. Do you have a Carrie Fisher story for me?
0: We ended up hanging out a lot together on the third season, which was, you know, the last season she did with us because she passed away very soon after we we finished filming. But she asked me to go to to dinner with her um, just before she was going back to L.A. And I always think about it. I always thank my lucky stars that that I did go. Because I remember just being like knackered that night and thinking, oh, I'll catch up with her again in L.A. And she she said, I'm going to dinner with Salman Rushdie. And I was like, I can't I cannot do that. I am not I'm tired. I'm not going to be smart enough for um, to, to meet that man. And she goes, it's fine. He's just going to talk about girls. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was just the most delightful evening with two extraordinary people who just wanted to shoot the breeze you know but um I adored her and 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 I genuinely feel really privileged not that just I got to work with her but that in that last season just you know you know when friendships just kind of click and you know barriers broke down and and we she came to my house and we hung out and we ate and It was just gorgeous.
1: Oh, yeah. You you, you were still a fan for the first little while and then eventually... Oh, my
0: God. Completely. Of course. I mean, Rob and I used to follow her around like ducklings, you know, not even sure she was really there. You know, like, how did we manage, you know, how did we manage to convince her to do this? But she just loved the character and, you know... Frustratingly, she didn't get given enough um acting opportunities because first of all, it's you know hard for women of a certain age and, in Hollywood. And also I think it's even harder for um women who are quite mouthy, you know, like she was when she would sort of, you know, she'd sort of she'd call it out if she saw dodginess, I suppose. But okay. uh she she talked a lot about what what it meant to um to be Carrie Fisher as well, like what it meant to play a character that iconic and how It was very hard, you know, post that to just be a normal person, not to be seen as a sort of almost like you're as famous as Mickey Mouse kind of thing when you're dealing with something like a Star Wars franchise. So, um, but yeah, she just loved to act and she was so funny and such a great raconteur and uh, yeah, just a joy.
1: Well, I I was was building towards something of your work here because there's a quote, um, I'm not sure if Carrie said it, but at least it's been attributed to her. Take your broken heart and turn it into art. Yeah. And I, I was wondering if that resonates with your own career, with your with your own life, like whether uh, comedy has been has been. You were talking to me earlier about how comedy more than drama can help you process stuff. Like, has comedy yeah. also been able to do that for you with things in your own life?
0: Oh my god, completely. Yeah. You know, I I've saved a fortune on on therapist bills um, just by you know writing about all my woes, all my troubles it's a great uh, medium to express yourself in but also to work stuff out you know because you don't always have things figured out at the time that is happening to you sometimes you need a bit of time and space around it and then when you write it down you go oh that's what I should have said (laughs) or you know oh that's how that's what it was all about you know or that's the kind of person I am and um it's the same with acting, I suppose, to a certain extent. You can certainly take a, a broken heart when you're acting and, and use it, you know. It's all good material. Anything that happens to me now, I'm just like, bank it, you know.
1: What, what I'm struck by there is not that you you get through the thing and then you write about it. You're saying that it's, say, if you go through a breakup, or you go through something. It's actually through the act of doing the writing that you'll discover things about the situation that you're in or or
0: the totally yeah but but time does that anyway doesn't it i mean for for everyone time does that when you have perspective and you look back it's just the act of actually getting it down on paper just make can make it a little clearer you know i'm always way smarter in my scripts than i am in real life i know that
1: i'm always i'm (laughs) always smarter on my in my scripts than i am in real life what do you mean by that
0: well, because I've got a chance to figure it out and process it, and you know, you you can you can spend the time sort of thinking about it, and then you reduce it to sort of moments of real clarity. And I, I don't feel like I can do that. My my, you know, generally my brain's a bit of a scramble.
1: Not that you uh, we're going to get you to confess to any murders here. What, what were <laughs> you? What? How does that apply to this show?
0: Oh God, so much because you know, really, I'm writing five sisters, but it's kind of five different versions of of me or you know least ways in there's a bit of me in in all of them and you know what it means to be um a, a woman of a certain age you know looking for something else what it means to be a sort of uh, um a much younger woman who hasn't found her place in the world you know or, or what it means to be a, a woman in a family feeling like she can't sort of breathe you know or express herself and so of course, the, the murder mystery is the driver and the how done it and the caper. But for me, I, I got a lot of joy out of exploring all those different angles in each of those characters.
1: It's a it's a really wonderful show um, and congratulations on it. And I hope we don't have to go back to the turkey farm anytime soon.
0: <laughs> well, it's long sold, but, um, you know, good memories.
1: I suppose so. I hope we don't have to go back to turkey farming anytime <laughs> soon is what I'm trying to say, maybe. Sharon, Thank lovely you. to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too, Tom.
1: Sharon Horgan stars, writes, and executive produces the show Bad Sisters, which has just been renewed for a second season on Apple TV+. It is up for five BAFTAs this year, including Best Drama Series. Did you know that Bono's daughter is in it? I'm not going to tell you which—watch the show. I couldn't guess. I couldn't guess which actor was was Bono. Bono from YouTube's Bono's, Bono's daughter. Sharon Horgan is also up for another BAFTA for her writing on the show Motherland. We'll find out if she wins when the awards happen on May 15th. All right, that is it for the show today. Tomorrow in the show, Justin Tranter. Justin Tranter is only 42, but has written some of the biggest songs of the past two decades for artists like Miley Cyrus, Imagine Dragons, Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, Gwen Stefani. Their latest project is writing all the songs for the new reboot of Grease. So Justin will be here to talk about that and about some of the songs he's written that you just can't escape. We'll see you then, later on.